you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 1, where we're going to be this morning. And as you're turning there, I want to ask you a question. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? It's a word that we throw around a lot in church settings. You'll hear me preach about it a lot on Sundays and Sunday nights and Wednesdays. We mention the gospel a lot. In Mark 16, we are told to go out into the world and proclaim this gospel. It was the gospel itself that drove the apostles to begin the church in the book of Acts. The truth of the gospel. It's the gospel that drove the apostles to put their lives on the line for it. The gospel has validity and it has value. What message, if it had no validity, if it had no value, would drive people to the point of death, laying their lives on the line? What sense would it make for the writers of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to waste time on something that was not legitimate and then spends years defending and proclaiming its message? Why would Peter and John stand boldly before the Jewish council defending their beliefs if it was all False. Today in our culture, we come across a lot of people, whether it's in person, whether you see them on TV or you see about it on social media, they spend a lot of time discrediting Jesus, discrediting the resurrection of Jesus. Why? It's not because they have factual proof that Jesus was lying or that he is not legitimate. History will tell you Jesus walked among the earth. It's not because they can point to a tomb that has a body of Jesus, because we know the tomb is empty. The reason people discredit the resurrection of Jesus is merely because they would rather live the life they want to live instead of the life they were created to live. I'm here to tell you today that there is no life better than the one God ordained for you. There is no better life. To live this God-ordained life, you must first go to the gospel and understand your need for the gospel, how to receive the gospel, and how to proclaim that gospel in order for others to believe as well. It's the gospel that saved me. It's the gospel that saved many of you in this room today. It is also the gospel that is still saving even today. The gospel can still save today. So I want to show you this gospel by first reminding you of the gospel, showing you the foundation of that gospel, and the truth that is still relevant today in 2023. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 1 and reading to verse 11. Paul writes these words. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers... Of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the script, with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures." And that he appeared to Cephas, then the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. 
Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church, but by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you giving you praise for the gospel. God, we give you praise for today and what is, uh, the reminder that it gives us of your son Jesus and his resurrection. God, we serve a living Savior. God, we serve a Savior who is on the throne next to you. God, help us to be reminded of the gospel. Help us to be reminded of how we were saved. God, help us to see the foundations of that gospel and why it is so uh, important to our lives. And God, I pray that the truth of the gospel will be heard today. God, if there's anyone here who has not put their faith and trust in you, who have not believed in that resurrection, who have not made Jesus Lord of their lives, God, I pray today will be the day of salvation because the truth says they can be saved just as you saved us. God, we praise you for it. We thank you for Jesus. Speak to our hearts. Convict us. Encourage us. Give us strength through your word, that God, we would be able to leave this place with the urgency to share the good news, the gospel. It's in Jesus' holy name that I pray. Amen. So let me remind you of the gospel. Let's talk about the reminder of the gospel that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. Verse 1, verse 2. Paul says, Now I would remind you, brothers of the gospel, I preached to you which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For those of you in here who are saved today, you are a believer in Jesus. You believe in the resurrection. Jesus is Lord of your life. I want to refresh your memory and remind us of some things about the gospel. The gospel has its effect on believers in three areas of life. Our past, present, and our future. First, the past. If you are a believer, Paul says, you have received the gospel. Right? Verse 1 tells us, the gospel I preach to you which you received. At some point, as a believer, you received the gospel. You heard a preacher or a teacher proclaim the gospel to you. The Holy Spirit began to work in your life. And one day you answered that call. You received the gospel. But notice what Paul does not say here. He does not say that you earned the gospel. He didn't say you earned the gospel. The gospel was given to you through the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus. It was given to you because of the grace of God. And because of that grace, today you can stand on the gospel, right? I preached the gospel to you, Paul says, which you received and in which you are now standing. Currently you are standing on the gospel. What do I mean? You stand on the truth of the gospel. Gospel is your foundation. It is what you should base all of your decisions on. As a believer, everything you do should be based off of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
The gospel is how you approach your marriage, your family, your friendships, your job, your hobbies, and you keep on naming it. You should set everything on the foundation of the gospel. You should stand on the gospel. The gospel is the truth of which you stand. It determines your world view. It determines what you believe about the things that are going on in the world today. And there is plenty going on. The gospel tells us that none of us are good and that we are all sinners in need of salvation off the path to hell. And Jesus came to change your life, not to let you continue in your own ways. And because the gospel is what you stand on presently, it's what leads you towards your sanctification. Look at verse 2 again. He says, by which you are being saved. The gospel is what you are being saved. Right? So what is he talking about here? This is a future tense. It's something that is currently you are pressing on towards. What is he talking about? He's talking about sanctification. Now what does that word even mean? Sanctification is a lifelong process that leads us to holiness. Every day you are striving to draw closer to holiness. And one day when you are with the Lord in all of eternity, you will be made holy. God tells us that you will be made righteous. But as we are still here, as the days continue to roll, as long as the Lord allows, we are drawing closer to that holiness. And certainly, some days are better than others, right? Some days it was a really good day to strive towards holiness. And other days you just tried to survive. I get it. But every day is a step closer. But the gospel provides all of this for us. It's what we received, it's what we're standing on, and it's what we're working towards. But what is the gospel? Maybe you're in here and you don't believe. Maybe you have yet to answer the call of salvation for your life. Maybe some things are holding you back. You say, you know, I, I just haven't gotten there yet, preacher. I don't understand it. What is the gospel? Let's look at the foundation of the gospel. The foundation of the gospel, verses 3 and 4. Verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried and He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. The foundation of the gospel is found in the work of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. The foundation of the gospel is found in the work of Jesus Christ. First, it says that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. The Old Testament is filled with all kinds of prophecies proclaiming that the Messiah would come to die to be a sacrifice for mankind. He would take on the sins of man and He would provide redemption through His sacrifice. Isaiah 53 Isaiah 53 is a perfect example of this prophecy. Verses 4 through 9 say, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds we are healed. All we like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. 
by oppression and judgment, he was taken away as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Isaiah talked about the coming Messiah. Jesus, we know him to be, died for our sins. He was pierced with nails through his hands and his feet for our transgressions, for our iniquities, as the scripture told us, which is just fancy words for our sins. Our sins are missing the mark of God's standard for our lives. We messed up. God knew all about our sins. He knew every one of our sins before we were even a thought in our parents' minds. He knew we were going to sin. And instead of throwing us away, church... Instead of throwing us away, God gave up His Son Jesus to be a sacrifice for our sins. And not just a few, but all sins. Jesus was the Lamb led to the slaughter for sins. He did not commit. Right? He took on a punishment for sins He did not commit in His own life. But He willingly gave up His life for us. In John chapter 19, 28 through 30, The words are written, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, and so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus gave up his life. Because He loved you so much that He was willing to take on your sins and die for them. Praise God, that's not the end. Because if that's all it was and Christ died, then this again is all for naught. But there's more to the story, praise God. Because what did we see in 3 and 4? Go back to 3 and 4. Verse 3, For I deliver to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in the course of Scripture. Now watch this. That He was buried and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Jesus Christ not only died for our sins, but He was also raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Isaiah 53, going back to that in verse 10. Isaiah 53, 10, it says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was to, he has put him to grief. And when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. What is being said in verse 10? Jesus was the offering for the guilt of mankind, but the promise was made that when the offering was given, he shall see his offspring and prolong the days of him. Meaning, Jesus would live again. The promise was made that Christ would have to die for the sins of mankind, but he will come back and he will have his days prolonged. He will live again. And we know he is alive Mark 16 shows us the resurrection. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? 
And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Jesus rose from the dead to overcome the penalty of sin. The price for sin is death, as Scripture says. In the very beginning, God told Adam, if he and his wife ate from this specific tree in the garden, they would die. God does not lie. And death did come into the world. And when they sinned by eating of this fruit, they cursed death upon them and upon us. Christ resurrected from the dead to overcome the penalty of death. Through the power of Christ's resurrection, we too can overcome death. And I'm not talking about the physical death that we will all experience if Christ has not returned, but the eternal death is what I'm talking about. The eternal death that waits for the lost who do not follow Christ. There is a time that when the lost are bound for hell, and if they experience hell, they will experience an eternal death. But for the believer, because Christ overcame death, we can overcome death in eternity. We are given eternal life. The death we overcome is not physical, but it is the eternal death that we overcome because of His resurrection. Belief in the resurrection is necessary for salvation. But how can I believe? Pastor, where's the evidence? How can we know for sure that Jesus did rise from the dead? How do we know that this is not a hoax? First off, if this is a hoax, it's a very good hoax for it to have lasted 2,000 years. Think about that for a moment. If this is nothing but a lie, how in the world did the lie last over 2,000 years? It's quite impressive. Second, we know the resurrection to be true because of the historical nature of the scriptures and the eyewitness accounts of Jesus post-crucifixion. Look at what Paul says in verse 5 through 8. Verse 5 through 8. After all this, he says, In that he appeared to Cephas, talking about Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. After the resurrection, Jesus appeared to Peter, to the disciples. Then he appeared to 500 brothers at one time. Then to James, then to the apostles. And lastly, he appeared to Paul. This wasn't just two, one or two crazy people with schizophrenia or hallucinations. Right? That's not what this is. Jesus gave a lot of people a chance to see him, to be an eyewitness to the resurrection. They were eyewitnesses who testified to seeing Jesus after the crucifixion and the resurrection. John gave his own eyewitness account, and we title that the Gospel of John. That is his eyewitness account. He talks about the crucifixion, the burial, and the fact that he went to the tomb with Peter, and he saw that it was empty. He talks about Jesus appearing to the disciples as they were in a room together. And John signs off his gospel with these words. John chapter 21, 24 through 25. John writes these words. This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things. 
and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. John says, I saw it. I'm bearing witness to the truth of Jesus Christ. Not only the miracles, not only the great things he did and said, but I also bear witness to his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, and his appearance to us many times over. In the book of Acts, Luke, a historian, a historian, right? So his job is to get the history right. His job is to verify the evidence. And Luke did just that. And he talks about Jesus giving his last instructions before sending back to the heaven, back to heaven. Acts chapter 1, he writes this. Luke writes these words. In the first book, O Theophilus, talking about the gospel, Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Luke is verifying what the apostles and the disciples were already saying. Luke's telling Theophilus, I saw it, I've read about it, I've wrote it down. Theophilus, you can believe that Jesus is real. Theophilus, you can believe Christ resurrected from the dead. Jesus clearly showed that he was legitimately resurrected, and many testimonies we see in Scripture line up to deliver a perfect historical narrative that we not only read about, but we can believe in in order to be saved. You can believe in the resurrection today, church. You can believe in the resurrection today, lost person. The testimonies are true. There is no contradiction. The eyewitnesses come together, share their testimonies, and they all line up to give us a perfect historical narrative of the resurrection. This is the truth of the gospel. There's another truth to this gospel that's relevant to us today as well. Look at verses 9 through 11. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Today, church... Paul wants you to see that you can be saved, lost person. Paul always considers himself the chief of sinners, the greatest sinner of all time, right? You see that in many of his letters. He will say, I am the chief. I am the leader of sinners. If there is a leader, it is going to be me, Paul says. Paul admits to persecuting Christians. He killed Christians in his time as Saul. In fact, he was on his way to kill Christians when Jesus got a hold of him in Acts chapter 9. The truth of the gospel is this, and I want you to hear me clear today. It does not matter how guilty you are of a sin. It does not matter what sin you commit, whether you've lied, you cheated, you murdered, you harmed, you are addicted, or anything else. It does not matter. 
Because the grace of God can overcome that sin. The grace of God can overcome your sin. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul says, the only way I'm able to write this to you, church at Corinth, is because of the grace of God. And His grace toward me was not in vain. And it is not in vain to you either today. Paul clearly understood that there was nothing he could do on his own to be who God made him to be. It is only through the grace of God that Paul is who he became. Only grace made Paul a believer. And only grace made him a proclaimer of the gospel. It was only grace that saved him. He told the church at Ephesus that. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Paul did not boast in himself, but clearly boast in the God who gives us the free gift of salvation through faith in Jesus. The Jesus who died and resurrected and is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. Listen, you cannot earn your salvation through your works, and you can't lose it through your works either. Grace gives life to all who will believe. Grace is the reason we can be saved. Grace is the reason I can stand behind this pulpit and tell you anything about the Bible. Because Lord knows I am not qualified without the grace of God. And understand this. Believer, lost person, grace will always outrun your sin. Grace will always outrun your sin. There is not a sin that you have committed or will commit that grace cannot outrun. You are not too far gone, lost person. You are not too great a sinner. You have not completely messed up your life. There is hope for you today. There is forgiveness. There is redemption. The Bible tells us if we will confess Jesus as Lord and we believe in the resurrection, the Bible tells us that you will be saved. It's not a maybe. It's not a let's see. It's a you will be saved. Without grace, without the grace of God, through Jesus, you are on a path to hell. Yes, God has every right to send you to hell. There are a lot of people that say, why would a good God send people to hell? My question is, why would create, uh, the created sin against its creator? But we did. And there's punishment for that. God has every right to send us to hell. We deserve hell. We deserve the eternal torment and death because we are sinners. But the good news is that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins. Through God's grace, you are made new. Listen to the hope that I'm proclaiming to you today. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection did happen. Historically, it is verified to be true. Throughout the early church period, believers put their lives on the line for this gospel. Why? So that you right now on April 9th, 2023, would believe in the gospel and be saved. These church leaders put their lives on the line for what they believed to be true. They saw it to be true. They knew it to be true. And they put their lives on the line so that in April 9th, 2023, people will still be saved. The resurrection is real. 
The gospel is the truth. Quit thinking you have other options. Quit thinking there has to be another way. There is only one way. And Jesus told us that in John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Will you come to the Father through Jesus? Will you stop running or believe in the lies of this world? Will you run to Jesus who will forgive and cleanse and give you a new life? If God is calling out to you, if you feel God's presence filling on your soul right now, it's probably filling it right around your chest. It's pressing on you. It hurts. You're thinking, man, that sausage is giving me heartburn. No, it's not sausage. It is Christ, the Holy Spirit, working on your chest right now saying, you got to get out of your pew and go to the pastor. If, the, if God is calling on you, if the Spirit is working on you right now, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to step out of your pew and come forward. I'll be right here, up front. You can come forward and say, Pastor, God is calling me to salvation. Jesus died and resurrected from the dead so that you could be saved today. Listen to me. The tomb is empty. Amen. The tomb is empty and the Spirit is filling the hearts of man today. My question to you is, will you respond? Will you respond to God's calling on your life? That's up to you. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. You can sing the song and praise to God for what He did. But I believe that maybe there's someone in here who needs to step out and say, Pastor, God is calling me to salvation. And I'm stepping out in faith. If that's you, will you come forward now? Let's pray. Father God, we praise You for the goodness of Your Son's sacrifice. God, what a horrible way to to give Your life But God, your son was willing to go to the cross and die for our sins. But God, he knew he would not stay there forever, for he would resurrect as your prophecies have told us he would. God, you verified the resurrection through many men. And those men went out into the world and started your church. And God, we are here in 2023 because of those men, because of their faithfulness to the resurrection. So God, I pray today that we do not take this lightly. God, I pray that that, that you are pressing on the hearts of someone in here today. That your Holy Spirit is calling out to someone today and they will answer that call. But God, also press on the hearts of the believers that we would be convicted to go out into this world and proclaim this good news that you have given us. God, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for Jesus. Move us today, God as you desire to move us. It is in your Son's holy and righteous name that I pray. Amen.